Welcome to Strange Bedfellows Podcast, where no question is too dark, no topic too taboo. Join us to explore sexuality, self-help, and politics with our expert guests and friends. We believe that sexual rights are human rights and that we can all create a brighter world through education and conversation. I am a parent, I am a certified holistic sex educator, I am a longtime sex worker and adult industry entertainer. My name is Elle Stanger and I'm a host of Strange Bedfellows Podcast. My name's John. You might know me as the audio engineer and editor of last season's podcast. I'm now returning as a co-host for season two. I'm a 22-year-old gay man and activist who will share my perspective in the coming season. Join us while we explore and uncover the things that make us squirm, make us shiver, make us tingle in delight. Because sex and politics can make for some very strange bedfellows. Hey, John. Hello. Can I talk a little bit about my girl girl webcam show that I did last night? Yes. <laughs> uh, do you have any do you have any questions? I know you take interest in my works sometimes as I have taken yeah. interest in yours. Yeah. Um, do you have any questions? I was curious because I saw you posting about it and um, I saw that it wasn't at least from what I'd seen on on Instagram explicitly just um, your traditional webcam show but it was exploring uh, female touch can you tell me more so he <laughs> oh my god I'm so glad you said that so that was my sneaky way to try to like advertise that I was doing gay sex yeah without being like come watch my porn I'm doing gay sex because what you can do is be like I'm a pleasure coach I'm an educator which isn't a lie it's not untrue it, right but it's the same thing I've done and like these are the dumb workarounds that sex workers like myself are trying to navigate when yeah. it's like oh I have content I want to sell how do I advertise it I can't Smart. link to it I can't hashtag it. Thank you. So like when I wanted to sell porn, I don't remember if it was because the club was closed because the car crashed into it or if it was when my titty exploded and I needed it removed. But I had a financial strain and I remember I was like, oh, my God, I could sell porn and be fine, but I don't know how to advertise it. Yeah. So I posted on my backup Instagram that I had, oh, God, erotic visual media for sale and to email me. <laughs> and you know because oh, the, the pr of porn like <laughs> nice ridiculous so yeah, yeah ridiculous so, that you have to jump through the hoops but it's cool that I, you know how thank you well and hopefully we can you know we're giving tools to other people to also as consumers and clients to like know what to look for yeah um it's really hard to find we know providers and porn and stuff anyway so thank you for noticing that and then also um so a big part of like I guess any maybe conundrums I was having was I know what it's like to be performative I know what it's like to seek pleasure um with myself but this is the first partnered show I'd done and also I'm doing it with a person who is not just someone that we like agreed to work together but we do have we have an emotional I think we have an emotional like friendship connection I feel a little romantically for this person so yeah my my interest like 
I'm more concerned for their comfort and their security and their safety rather than just like another professional porn person who shows up and like, yeah, let's do this. Like they've done it, you know, like a hundred times. Yeah. But like, I don't know. We had a personal relationship. So I had more like it was interesting feelings about it where I'm like, how do I conduct myself in appropriate ways? And what are the boundaries? So like when we <laughs> we had a great time. So with the exploring mm-hmm. female pleasure, you know, my partner and I uh, on Instagram, you can find this person. So they go by Joanna Danson underscore snake underscore lady. Uh so we had talked about boundaries. Um, I had said to them the night like prior, we were in the club and they come over. I'm like, oh, can I make a request for tomorrow night? <laughs> can I make two requests? I said, can you please not spit on me? And they're like, oh, I actually don't like spit either. What about kissing saliva? Is that okay? I said, oh God, that's perfect. That's fine. Thank you. So glad we're on the same page. <laughs> the other one was, please don't put anything in my butt unless I request it, um, which is, you know, my go-tos. Um, so we had this really slowly paced and what became a very genuine, like, fuck session where the joke became, like, if I was going down on them, I couldn't look at the screen. I'm not interacting with people because it was, like, this weird tangle of, like, do I acknowledge the audience and thank people for tipping or do I actually try to make this person come right now? (laughs) So, um, uh, it, it was, I don't know. It like setup, setup takes a couple hours, like investment. That was the other thing. I'm like, I need, we need good light for this. So I bought a ring light, which was not cheap. Like people don't think about the setup and the teardown and the cost. So, um, I'm glad for the rate. I really like working with this company. Um, you can go on my website, stripperwriter.com, and you can find more of my porn stuff, but I don't want to be too explicit, even in episode. Um, but it was cool because when our hour was actually done, I had squirted. They said they came, which, yeah, I mean, we're supposed to say that. Like, they tell you, like, be loud. It will encourage tipping. But afterwards, when we talked about it, Joanna was, and I can say their name, they were like, no, I actually came. I didn't, I, I was worried I wouldn't be able to. And I said, I'm shocked you thought you could at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when we closed the screen, I, we fooled around afterwards. And that was cool because that felt like just for us. It wasn't work. That's awesome. Thank you. So it felt really well-rounded. And I guess I'm just like, this is a new kind of relationship model for me and I'm figuring it out. And it's really cool to be like, I can have a friend where we can work together and fool around and explore our gayness. That was yeah. the first time I've been fucked by a woman wearing a strap on. So Damn. that's amazing. That was, that was really cool. Yeah. And we did that off camera. Actually, <laughs> I really? fucked them on camera um, because I was wearing the tip vibrator toy inside of me. So the website, one of the features is we have uh, one of us has a tip vibe, which is in your vagina. uh, And when people tip it, it vibrates, uh, which is a really cool way to interact. But um, at one point, oh, my God, it was so cool. Joanna was like jiggling it like inside of me, (laughs) which is just great G spot play. Um, Yeah, we had a great time. So I'm really happy. Yes. Thank you. I woke up with a smile on my face. I like. I didn't want to shower afterwards because I'm like, oh, my God, there are pussies all over my face. Like I took myself to a nice little dinner afterwards. I was happy and proud. Yeah. So, you know, the horrors of porn. Um, 
Just wanted to go over the horrors of porn real quick. Um, Yeah, it was cool. It felt good. There were people who listened to the podcast who watched and we got uh, feedback that one person said, it's so nice to see real chemistry and something not totally performative. Like, thank you. I texted them this morning. Like, we did good. That's really cool. And I'm glad it went well because I'm sure that like when you like, you know, film with someone new, you have to be really comfortable with them. And it sounds like you were. So it's nice that it worked out. Yeah. There were times when I'm like, what do I do? And I just gave myself my own advice, like politely request what you would like, you know? Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, and also right when we started, they knocked over. I had three glasses, three, four, three glasses and one um, boxed water by the bed. We had like all our supplies. We had two vibrators, three cups of water and a boxed water. They immediately knocked over the first cup. It was really funny. It was like right when we started. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, good thing there's towels. Um. Anyway, thanks for listening to me rant about that. I hope some yeah, of totally. our it's interesting. are engorged now because I sure was. <laughs> um. Anyway, but it got me thinking about in terms of because this person, my partner, they were a cam person. They were a cam girl years, some years ago, like right when they were eighteen, nineteen. They showed me pictures. Um. So. They have practice. And then also being a stripper gives good practice to many people like thinking about, you know, what do, yeah, yeah what, what do I look like? Like that's probably the hardest part because if you're not comfortable, then you can't focus on the other stuff. Right. So. Oh my God. Yeah, totally. And this is why people we were going through beforehand, we're going through the channels. I'm like, here, get comfortable. Like let's, you know, like you're a little rusty on the cam stuff. So and I can always use refreshers. And yeah. plus, it's just visually stimulating. It's like fluffing yourself before the show. It's like, let's see what the other cam girls <laughs> are doing. So we're going around. And she's like, oh, this girl's drinking wine. Yeah, you you remember. You did a yeah. webcam. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine? Because yeah. you started out real hard and fast. But can you imagine getting to a place where maybe you could log in and have some regulars and just like have a nice Saturday with your tits and your pussy and your wine and your, your customers? That really you know? nice. Whereas yeah. I was just like deep sea trawling for like a couple fish to catch mm-hmm. for hours mm-hmm. and hours and hours. <laughs> mm-hmm. Having regulars sounds nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, there are. Um, we did see a couple men, not very many, on Cam Soda. That was the website. I'm really? On. Yeah. Last time I had checked, I think they had a total mm-hmm. of like eight performers on the website. So I'm glad that you know what? added some more. I don't know that they added some more. I was like shocked that there were any. So it might have only been still. But there were some on there. Yeah. Uh, there was a there was at least one trans woman on there. Uh, she looked very bored, though. Uh, it's just it's hard when you have to fish and like wait for people to to decide that not only do they want to watch you, which a lot of people will, but that they want to pay you. <laughs> and then, yeah. It's frustrating. It is frustrating. It's very frustrating. So, but looking at all these people and then working at myself last night and then constantly thinking about what do I look like anyway, just in this like really hyper digital media age, no. selfies, surveillance cams, you know, um, how does a porn that you watch look def- different from the sex that you have or does it? Because I think when I was, I know when I was younger, the sex I was having looked as much like the porn as I was watching as I thought it should, which we've kind of talked about. It can be fun to be performative, but a lot of the sex I have would not be necessarily like 
artful looking, like I might be wrapped up into a a ball, (laughs) you know, with my, my butt bones, like sticking out and my toes like throwing gang signs or something (laughs) (laughs) which is artistic definitely to some people but you know what I mean like have you ever like looked in the mirror or caught sight of something that like feels so good but you're like wow that looks so not aesthetically pleasing (laughs) yeah and that's okay yeah um I've watched some porn that's very often in the same positions where it's usually someone on their back or um, someone on their their stomach or on all fours, usually like doggy style, but like sometimes more more flat. Um, mm-hmm. And that's generally what I tend to go for because visually it's very easy to understand. Um, you can see the mm-hmm. bodies of both people. I think that's why they pick those positions. Camera mm-hmm. angles can switch pretty easily without losing a lot of like sight of what's going on. Um, and I like that for for like, you know, the porn I watch. Um, my sex differs because I've actually found that there are a couple positions that I like that are really fun um, that don't necessarily adhere to being on my back or being on my stomach. Um, Ooh, can you describe? Yeah. So one of my favorites is um, getting <laughs> fucked by my boyfriend while I'm on my side. And he's actually, um, so he's in front of me. So we're like chest to chest. Um, and I'll have like my legs wrapped around his waist and then he, uh, oh. he fucks me while we're both sideways on the bed. And it's fun because it's usually we go way slower um, when we do it on the side. Um, it's so you're always face to really face. comfortable. Yeah, we're face so to face. So you can kiss or nuzzle. It's, it's really fun. Um, probably That's my, really my favorite position, I would say. Um, and he's smaller than you, so he doesn't like squish your bottom leg. No. Um, oh that's yeah, awesome I, see i'm thinking how i could try to do that but like i think b is just too enormous for me <laughs> in yeah. that way uh, yeah but it's yeah. it's really fun that's honestly one of my favorites that's i've found sweet. that a lot of the porn i watch tends to be usually pretty i'd say egalitarian but then like the sex i have tends to be more um dominant slash submissive so like i'll I'll play more of the role of submissive at the moment mm-hmm. sometimes things change and i become more or less submissive but um but at the moment it's been really fun to to be quite submissive and kind of accepting someone else taking control you said so the stuff you watch more you said like egalitarian like in terms of equals like the partners playing equal yeah and they can always they can control. still be equals but i mean in terms of control um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, yeah so yeah, they, they usually have uh, an equal amount of control in the porn I watch. Um, okay. I The reason that I, I tend to shy away from porn where one person is more dominant is because I, I struggle to believe the fantasy when it comes mm. to things like porn and BDSM. Um, mm. Just because I'm like, oh, well, this person isn't actually necessarily dominating them. This isn't mm-hmm. understood like, oh, I'm doing this because this is what people want. And in some cases, maybe it is it is real. It's just it's very difficult to distinguish when it is and isn't. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, I really need that flavor of like authenticity. So like I can watch like amateur BDSM, um, mm-hmm. like some some light BDSM there. But other than that, I just I struggle anything that's overtly performative. Like I wouldn't say performative because I would say every, a lot of things we do are performative even in real life. Um but I would mm-hmm. say when it becomes apparent beyond what should be apparent. 
So like it's understood that they're filming it for money. It is a job. Um, but when it's kind of like when you see a movie and it's a little bit cheesy and you're like, oh, I don't I don't know if I really quite buy what these actors are selling. Like we know <laughs> it's we know it's not necessarily real, but we want to we want to be, mm-hmm. you know, seduced into the into the fantasy of that. Uh, you that, want people uh, to try to be able yeah, to convince you at least. Exactly. I want to yeah. forget for a moment that I'm pretending yeah i think this (laughs) is why uh so if you look at just everyday television uh think of a lot of the cheesy like uh like the nbc like the family safe you know dramas where there's a lot of like tension there's a lot of tension built in the sexual tension is very thick so there's like extended gazes and like pursing of lips and glances and it's it's that is so heavy-handed sexual when you know when you recognize it and that's how you know television can be so sexually charged while while subjecting us to these purity myths which leaves people very fucking confused um so then when you watch porn where there there is no tension (laughs) there's no tension these people are just here to play and i think um that's really confusing for some people i think that we we one we want a story you know like what you're saying like i need to believe that they're actually dominating each other you need to actually like feel or like witness some kind of chemistry or there was a a slew (laughs) there was a collection of very popular women for women porn pornos uh girlfriends films and (laughs) some people are gonna laugh and nod because they know exactly what i'm talking about but when i worked in the porn sales industry just retail these were immensely popular with not just women or couples but actually a ton of people and i watched some of these and they had like longer acted scenes and like storylines and plots and so i think it gave people the ability to like lean into attaching to the character and having the tension build i don't know i i've watched a ton of porn but that's what that makes me think of i'm like it's very accessible it's not like straight away explicit that's cool yeah yeah some gay porn has tried to emulate that but honestly like some of them i watch and i get turned off by like the actors will be like attractive and then i'll watch like 10 seconds of them pretending to act because they for some reason have like a five minute build up and i'm just like oh god please please just fuck like please stop like please stop talking about like why you love getting pizza from the pizza delivery man like this just this just isn't real like ugh, no one does that like yeah but i guess it's all context appropriate because there is an audience for that too yeah and i suppose like maybe they expect that when people are like really horny the bar is lowered for like you know believability but no (laughs) so i guess so i guess this would this would relay back to the question does the porn you watch look different from the sex you have and how um i think sometimes we want to watch people have the kind of sex that we have because it's comforting or arousing i think sometimes I like watching people have sex that I don't have because it's at least amusing or intriguing or I might get new ideas and hey, then I realize I'm into things I didn't know I was into. Yeah. Or I or I learn what my hard nose are. <laughs> We've learned yeah. that way. Oh yeah, with the dominance thing too. It's really funny uh, when my partner, my webcam partner and I came into this is like, okay, I'm the older one. They have braces on currently. <laughs> So we were going to do this like older, younger dynamic. But then what kind of naturally unfolded was 
they started using their hands in a way that I was like, oh my God, you really know what you're doing. And they look at me and they're like, yeah, I tend to be more dominant with femmes. I'm like, oh shit, I believe you. (laughs) Which is like, oh my God, like, hey, okay. This is like, you're doing just fine. I thought this was gonna be a training session. Nope, okay. Um, Yeah, I was very happy about it. I think maybe I can just name it. I don't know. It's camsoda.com slash stripper writer. You can view my media there. My erotic visual media. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, don't don't kick us off, anybody. I think we can take a break now. Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? Sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Visit her office in Portland or connect via Skype to take your intimate life to the next level. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris Erotica. Racks to Riches is a new company for adult entertainers dedicated to empowering, educating, and connecting our industry through sales training. This fall, Racks to Riches is launching a new native app designed by and for sex workers. Racks, R-A-X-X, is an app with unique features like a social feed, club reviews, income tracking, and event calendars. Racks is designed to help you grow your adult business at the touch of a button. Racks is launching in the Apple Store on October 1st, 2019. And for more information on Racks and more tools, courses, and sales training content for adult entertainers, visit racks2riches.com. That's R-A-C-K-S to riches.com and just for strange bedfellows listeners use discount code sbp at checkout for 10 percent off of any of our educational products are you a stripper burlesque dancer or any kind of performer looking for a costume Catherine harlow hand makes costumes and specializes in rhinestoned and feathered things she's a master's candidate in costume studies program in new york city and can craft almost anything you can dream up so contact park avenue pinup on Instagram or Miss Catherine Harlow at gmail.com. That's Catherine with a K, Harlow with a W. Here you can explain your ideas to her. She can give you a quote. That's Park Avenue Pinup on Instagram or Miss Catherine with a K, Harlow at gmail.com. Like the whole, like, how, and you knew this already, but the fact that duos make more money, it seems, on mm-hmm. like gaming sites than like singles. You're so right. And, oh, you're uh, so right. Yeah. People just yeah. they buy into the energy more if there's like something happening that they can really like imagine themselves in the position of someone. Like solo cam is great. But um mm-hmm. yeah, no, the uh, the whole, you know, two people getting to explore each other and then also like doing things for tips occasionally. Like I mean that was heavy mm-hmm. on Chatterbait, but yeah, I'm sure Cam Soda mm-hmm. has something similar. Mm-hmm. I noticed that so when because I've done feature webcams for this site um, I don't know I haven't counted like in a while maybe like six or seven times like there's originally I was like oh this is really like a lot of legwork and very stressful for me and I'm not a pro camera so I'm only gonna do this a couple times but it turns out yeah. I'm getting better at it and I'm enjoying it more so, so cool. <laughs> thank you um, and it's a really nice option to have when I'm not able to strip and yeah. I'm not able to go on dates because guess what? Sugar daddies don't have any interest in me now that I've done the podcast and all of this writing. Um, I'm oh. too recognizable. I know. Nobody wants to take me out. It's so funny. It's okay. It's okay. They did something weird during the movie, which I think was like, so the movie I watched, uh, The Hustle or Hustle. Oh, yeah. Hustlers. Um, 
Hustlers. Hustlers movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we'll talk so about the, this more at the it, end too, but I want to hear sure, this before we do Bad Bitch. Yeah, they because it kind of relates to the sugar daddy thing. They categorized men, um, but they categorized them by who they were on Wall Street. So like they said like, oh, you know, like the lower level dudes will be your like sugar daddy and you don't have to actually do anything for them. But like, you know, maybe they can pay your rent or something. And I'm like, hmm. okay, wow. Um, <laughs> not usually how that works. Um, and then like they were like, yeah, the mid range ones will like occasionally cross the lines, but they're mostly just there to spend like money and watch, but they won't do anything. And then they were like, but the CEOs and like the rich ones, like they spend like 10, 15 K a night at the clubs and like all sorts of shit. And then they show what I actually found them. So I was like, I think that's a, a strange categorization of, of men because mm-hmm. I think that there's all sorts of different ones all along. That well, think about where they're working though. They're working downtown New York, right? Yeah. It's, it's so different there. The clientele is, if you can oh, afford to go fair. to a New York club, it's a different environment. Yeah, but yeah, it was this, interesting. This ain't no lucky they, devil. Like a big chunk of the movie was actually just about the, the 2000, like seven, 2008 or 2008, like financial crash. Um, hmm. And how it affected strippers because like all these Wall Street execs like weren't going to strip clubs anymore um, hmm. and blowing cash the way they used to. And a lot of like um, like uh, immigrants were taking the places of these girls that had been working in clubs for a while um, mm-hmm. because they were willing to put up with more because of their economic situations. Um, mm-hmm. And also it was just harder to, to stay in the industry um, when they so- were making less money. What country of origin were they talking about immigrants or did they specify? Um, I think like Russia and Slovakia. Yes. Okay. Got it. So I had a friend who worked for 15 years, mostly on the East Coast. And she told me stories of she's like, oh, here the Russian girls like they just she's like every night a van would come and just unload. I don't know where the fuck they came from, but they all came together. She's like they were immigrants. They're Russian and they walk around and be like dollar dollar and push their boobs together. <laughs> Damn. And I'm like, that's fucking scary trafficking shit. That makes me nervous. But eh. so that's really, really interesting. Um, And that would fit the timeline of when she was working. Yeah. In the Uh, movie, they were giving head for 300 bucks a pop. So where in the club or where? Um, Yeah. In like the the back rooms of the club because the cameras had been taken out after the financial crash. So people could do more things to make more money. Whoa. So they went in on this. Yeah. That's good originally the only room that didn't have a camera was i think the champagne room or like the vip room where like the the ceos would go um because they'd come in through the back door yeah Yeah. it was interesting this is fascinating this is interesting i have not seen the movie i don't see a lot of movies um i'm really glad you saw it though because yeah totally for not being a stripper having a close proximity to me having spent so much time with me at my club where i kind of give you the scoop on how it works um makes you the most perceptive I think that could see no. it in my stead. Who's not a stripper, <laughs> except for B. <laughs> B well, has a pretty good range of things too. He wishes he could be a sex worker. He says he's too nervous, and he hates men. It's definitely <laughs> anxiety-inducing. That's for sure. Yes, yes. Um, all right. Well, speaking of things that can be difficult but are very important, let's talk about a bad bitch in history. Catherine Healy was born in. 1955 or 1956 the internet wasn't sure she is a new zealand woman who started in sex work while she was a teacher a teacher who liked to travel internationally and it's funny i know quite a bit of strippers and other sex workers who fund their travel adventures with sex work so 
she began in the 80s, even though in her birth country of New Zealand at the time, sex work was criminalized and, of course, stigmatized. She recalls that working in a bar that could be busted at any hour of the night contrasted quite heavily with the socially acceptable school classrooms where she worked during the days. And she said her primary conflicts were with the laws and the police, the fear of being arrested and not from her clients. The indignity of the law felt more violating, Catherine Healy has says. So, Hmm. even though New Zealand at the time when she was working prohibited soliciting, brothel keeping, living on the earnings of prostitution and procuring, uh, Healy became a New Zealand prostitutes collective coordinator in 1989 and she led their campaign to decriminalize prostitution. Uh, it's funny, like all countries that have been colonized at some point, there was probably some, um, exploitation or rape or sex work going on between the settlers and the indigenous women. And New Zealand was no different. The colonial history has a hefty portion where the settlers permitted prostitution with the indigenous women during the colonization, um, especially during the time when they had a shortage of settler women. So there was, you know, interbreeding that could have been more uh, non-coercive. I don't know. So in 1989, she became a part of this collective. She helped model a bill to decriminalize the work of the sale of sex and to safeguard human rights and occupational safety of sex workers. So she was working on this for so long, they got some bills passed in 2003. And the New Zealand Prostitutes Collective now operates with 12 full-time staff volunteers in five branches across the country of New Zealand. So in 2003, they passed a slew of bills. It was called the Prostitution Reform Act in June 2003. Um, So now coercion of a prostitute is a crime, but you can sell sex. Isn't that rad? Yeah. So that eliminates... like distinguished rather than America's approach. Yeah, so that fully... uh, that distinguishes that'll help a lot with dealing with trafficking or pimping. It's illegal to coerce someone to pay for sex or or to have sex for money. Yeah. It's illegal to coerce prostitution, but you can now work in prostitution. Uh, So on 2010, she was invited to the Oxford union at the university of Oxford to debate on decriminalization of prostitution She argued for decrim, of course, and she won the debate. (laughs) So Catherine Healy was awarded the New Zealand Suffrage Centennial Medal in 1993. And last year in 2018, she received a Dame Companion of the New Zealand Order of Merit for the Services to the Rights of Sex Workers. So Hmm. she has been honored in that way. Um, That's pretty freaking cool. There is a book that she co-authored called Decriminalizing Sex Work, The New Zealand Experience by Cheryl Brenton, Catherine Healy, Lisa Fitzgerald. And I think all of our bad bitches have been deceased, but she is very much still living. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, and interestingly enough, so (laughs) the Prostitution Reform Act, they included a requirement that a review of the effects of the law be conducted every three to five years. Um, so they did one. Okay. So in 2006, there was a follow-up report that said that the number of street sex workers was about the same. And in some cases, slightly reduced. Uh, it said that the only notable change 
from sex work measured in 1999 was a trend from managed sex work to the private sector. So more people doing it independently. Um, they examined entry and exit factors and showed that many sex workers said they desired to continue to sell sex because the financial return and the independence were, quote, attractive features. <laughs> uh, let's see. They identified and studied that there were some workers who were lacking in safe sex practices, particularly for oral sex. So this means people weren't using condoms for blowjobs, probably. No. Yeah. Which I mean, um, a lot of people don't know that you can. It seems quite obvious, but you know, it's it seems like a weird thing to do because it is markedly unpleasant to have a condom in your mouth. But it's like, yeah. you know, yeah, that's the reality. Um, some condoms don't taste that bad, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I've started. That's going to be my demand, like like here to forth going forward, and especially if I'm having, you know anonymous sex which i don't really go to like sex clubs by myself or looking for that at this point in my life i would love to but if i'm having you know or if b or any of my common partners are having anonymous yeah. sex like barriers need to happen and that would mean a dental dam for pussies too because even this morning like there's a, a bug going around but even this morning i was like oh i'm getting a sore throat hope i didn't give it to my partner and then i thought in my in my head like oh or you could have acquired a throat infection sti which is funny because actually we had this conversation they went to go get tested a week ago we're both going to go in 6 weeks um yeah. because because we both have other partners and we are sex workers so yeah you know we're being as safe as we can like you're gonna fuck so do it the best way you can you know harm reduction um so yeah thank you Catherine healy for your service uh it's funny there's a in this in this wikipedia bit about the prostitution reform act there is a turf called melissa farley who shares on the internet statements that the number of those prostituting on the street in auckland has increased by 400 percent since decriminalization uh, she was asked to give citation for these numbers and she has been unable to. Uh, and then someone did the math and they said, well, if that was true, that would mean there would be 1,440 sex workers on Auckland streets. And we don't see that as being the case. Our 2007 figure thinks it's about 230. You fucking turf liar. <laughs> so that's what's happening in New Zealand. Hey, guess what? It's possible in America. Yeah. I think. Mm -hmm. So let's do some listener questions. John, this first one is a two-part question. Uh, can yeah. you go ahead? Yeah. Sure. So we received a question that says, my longtime boyfriend and I recently had a conversation about interest in perusing polyamory. I am an indigenous pansexual cis woman, and he is a cis white man, or cis het white man. When we were first starting to see each other, I was with a woman, and he was seeing someone else, and we kind of fell into monogamy as we got close. Now, eight years on, we both agree it would be nice to try and give it a go again. We are both very excited and have had many days of great conversation about questions, personal preferences, kinks we may want to fulfill, boundaries, safety concerns, and even things such as potentially seeing sex workers. My question is, what is a safe way to meet new people? 
We live in the PDX area, but have no experience seeking new partners as adult bodies. We have been together since before we were. Hmm. Uh, since before they were adults. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to pause it right there. Um, so just because this person mentioned that they are in indigenous and pansexual, I wanted to outsource to someone that I thought would have some good advice on the topic. Uh, their name is Lily Many Colors. They are a graduate in, I'm going to butcher this, but specialized uh, cultural studies. Um, they are also an indigenous person and a friend of mine. Uh, Lily hails from Australia, but is living on the East Coast. So Lily says, I would check out Dr. Kim Tallbear's work. All My Relations podcast has a great episode on sexuality that Dr. Kim Tallbear talks on. I would invite you, if you can, to dig into your tribe's history of sexuality and marriage. Most of us were never monogamous in a settler colonial sense. It is an impossibility because of our position on the circle of life. When we say, quote, all my relations in our tongue, we are enforcing our polyamorous relationships. We are affirming that we are intimate and connecting and connected, requiring us to offer our care to those we are connected to. For my tribe, Lily says, the Choctaw people, and the tribe my name and clan come from, in my experience as a two-spirit single mother of mixed indigenous descent, I am most safe when I am embodying my traditions. I am safe in partnerships when care is the primary function of that dynamic, which then feeds the state of being known as trust. For me, a person of wolf clan, what makes a, quote, alpha is their ability to hold the needs of others in their mind and heart. So again, it's all about care. Explore what care really and honestly means for you both. What does it look like when either of you are hurting, scared, or angry? What about when betrayal happens? What does care feel like when space is needed? Many blessings on your path to creating multiplicitous paths of care, my friend. And a short list of resources. Uh, Caliban and the Witch by Sylvia Federici. Two Spirit People by Jacobs, Thomas, and Lang. For Indigenous Minds Only by Wazi Yatawin and Yellowbird from Lily Many Colors. Um, so that is for anybody who that is relevant to. Um, how to meet new people. Oh, God. Well, pre-FOSTA, <laughs> I would say Craigslist personals. Um, God, you need to go to sexually relevant venues where people are looking to do the same and by this i mean sex clubs meetups munches tastings workshops like you have to get super proactive i mean check out the venues that we have mentioned before like sub rosa pdx it's the femme uh, dominatrix uh, venue they always have stuff going on shebop is a local um porn shop and they have a ton of events always so you're going to have to get up to your elbows in really looking around. Um, it's too bad that Craigslist isn't a thing anymore. It wasn't perfect, but it was still like a way for people to meet occasionally if you had a way of screening them. Craigslist personals. Yeah. Yeah. I used to use them occasionally. They weren't the worst. They weren't the best, but they weren't yeah. the worst. It I, was just another form of like Grindr, Tinder, just, you know. And, and you can use, I mean... Get on Tinder, but I will tell you definitely as a um, queer cis chick who is dating a cis dude, uh, it is not 
it's not <laughs> gay and trans people fucking hate it when cis people are looking for a unicorn, even if you're not looking for a queer or oh, trans yeah. unicorn. But yeah. it's like, yeah, a lot of people are like, I don't want to fuck your ugly boyfriend. Like, no offense, but that's just what I hear. Not to me, but in general, it's like when women talk about it, they're like, yeah, the, the, the other woman will be hot, but I have no interest in the man. It's a very common thing yeah. that I hear, actually, and that I have experienced to be true to myself. Um, so put yourself out there. Um, if you are on, again, Tinder, social media, you have to be mindful, and I'm sure you are, of what could get you in trouble with work stuff or what will not. Depends where you work. Um, I have recommended that if you can, and if it's relevant to you, I love when people will put their, um, positive STI diagnosis in their bio and you can be really subtle about it. But like I said, once that I saw someone that said, uh, put all they put was like HSV one. And then I think a little biohazard symbol, which like, isn't, <laughs> it's kind of a negative symbol, but I'm like, okay, I kind of get what that means. It means like, yeah. if, you know, well, warning if this isn't, if you don't want to proceed. They're self-labeling, but it sucks that that's the way yeah. they, like, Yeah, it didn't offend me. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. No, if I, yeah, if it was HPV or HIV positive or, you know, any of that, like, fucking good for you. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's cool that they, they go with that. I just hope it's coming from, like, a self-loving place. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Totally, totally. Well, and that was the joke I made with uh, Joanna, my partner, is... You know, I had posted on social media that I was taking lysine and zinc to prevent having any cold sore breakouts because I get them sometimes. Yeah. And I, you know, when the weather changes or when I get stressed or um, and I don't want that to happen when I'm supposed to go down on someone on camera for money, like on a scheduled yeah. promoted date. <laughs> like, yeah. again, the stress of being a sex worker. Um and we both had to like make sure we weren't on our periods and whatnot. But the joke I made was like, it's okay. We have the same germs. So we were trading toys. Like we, I wasn't putting a condom over the dildo. We weren't using dental dams. Like we've yeah. both been tested. We both have HSV one. Yeah. So, um, part two, of the question, I hope we gave some meat to that part two, of the question, how would you suggest going about disclosing our personal relationship to potential new partners? Do you get it into conversation before meeting potential partners or do it face-to-face? -face? I lean toward full disclosure before meeting physically, but my partner thinks face-to-face -face would be easier to explain. He is concerned about a potential not believing him via messaging. Okay, so I think he's talking about the thing where the guy says, oh no, it's okay, yeah, my girlfriend and I are open. Guys are like, no, 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 my wife's yeah. cool with it. <laughs> yes, which happens a lot, which apparently they found out a ton of people on Tinder are married and Probably not necessarily all of them are open. Um, and even in the last year, did I tell you this? Have I mentioned this in episode? I've had two separate femmes reach out to me where they were like, I, you know, you mentioned that you had dated someone who you found out was in a relationship. Can I ask you if it was my boyfriend? And then they would tell me who it was. And in both cases, it, <laughs> in both cases, I knew who the person was. In one of them, I had gone on a date with the person, but it wasn't yeah. who I was talking about. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, oh, God, busted. Um, anyway, how do you suggest about disclosing our personal relationship? Well, there's many ways. Um, I mean, what are you looking for in your polyamory? Are you eventually wanting to have somebody move into the house? Do you want a triad? Do you just want like what I would find ideal, which is people that I could phone in to have sex with when I feel like it and cuddle? 
we've talked about this before. So figure out what you want exactly and then figure out when it's right to ask for it. There's so many variables. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if your partner says he's worried about a potential not believing him, then with your, you know, consent, obviously he can offer it to that person that they contact you to verify. Right? Yeah. Did I, did I miss anything? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay, so let's take another break. If you listen to this show, you know how absorbent and sensitive vaginas can be. A wellness movement is on the rise. We're eating organic. Our skincare is organic. We're even using organic tampons. But what about our underwear? Non-organic underwear can lead to infections and irritation from absorbing harsh chemicals. That's why Cherie Intimates are made with organic Supima cotton and certified organic dyes. Shopshery.com offers products ethically made right here in the U.S. in Brooklyn. With each purchase, Cherie donates feminine hygiene products to women's shelters in the USA. So self-care for you can provide basic care for those in need. Visit Shopshery, S-H-O-P-C-H-E-R-R-I.com and Shopshery on Instagram. Customers can use the code BEDFELLOWS to get 20% off at checkout. Hey friends, are you sick of razor burn? Have your nethers cleaned up by the pros at Netherlands Wax in Vancouver, Washington, where experienced owner estheticians have performed literally thousands of Brazilian waxes. Netherlands Wax is gender neutral, sex positive, trans and queer welcoming, kink positive, and body positive. We are just over the 205 bridge in Vancouver, Washington. Worth the drive. Find us on Facebook, Yelp, or netherlandswax.com. Welcome back to Strange Bedfellows, your favorite politics, sex, and self-help podcast. Uh, feel free to share us on iTunes and review us. We always appreciate it. And we are aiming for 100,000 subs uh, by the end of the year. We are currently <laughs> more than halfway there. Um, it's Subscribers, very <laughs> not submissives. Yeah. Not submissives, I can't, man. no. We, we do not have spaces in our houses for um, that many submissives. <laughs> We're sorry. We do apologize. I could barely, I know, I could barely handle my own submissive. <laughs> and then they turned out to not be a submissive. <sighs> so let's uh, talk about some news and pop culture. Yeah, this one, this article is a little older. I think it, yeah, this one is older, but it was uh, edited to after FOSTA. The original published date of this one, Working as an Escort Helped My PTSD by Laura Lemoon was published November 27th, 2017 on Medium. Saw it reposted. Yeah. Um, it says, content warning, sexual violence. It starts out, any choice made out of a place of desperation is accompanied by enormous sacrifices. Working for Backpage changed everything. Uh, it says, I started in the sex industry under duress. I've worked in the industry for 10 years now by choice. Anti-trafficking activists will have you believe that the sex industry is black and white, but in reality, personal and sexual agency exist on a very, very long spectrum. Laura Lemoon says, I am a trafficking survivor and a sex worker. Both can and do exist in a single person at the very same time. Um, so she starts out by talking about, she says when she was a teenager in New York, she worked for a Latin Kings gang. 
When she escaped, she was exploited by her then fiance who worked for a cartel. She said she remembers being raped every day, strangled, kicked, punched, body slammed. Um, She has complex PTSD, an addict and an alcoholic, and makes it very hard for her to work a job where she has a boss telling her what to do. She says, I've been fired from a job in social work for being an addict in recovery, and I've been fired from a job in social work for being an out sex worker who would not recant her support of the profession. She says when Backpage came into her life, she decided it was a way to engage in the industry by choice to rewrite my past trauma and reclaim my body for myself. After placing an ad under the now defunct escort section, my phone immediately began ringing off the hook. Every single day, I easily got at least 100 phone calls, which meant I had the power to cherry pick who was worthy of my time and my beautiful pussy and who wasn't. So she said, I love advertising on it. Gave me ability, gave me freedom, sliding scale. Rest in peace. Um, So if you can find this piece and share it, again, it's called Working as an Escort Helped My PTSD by Laura Lemoon. It's a long one. Um, It's been clapped at 4,000 times. Maybe you can get it some more. I really think more people need to see stuff like this when it's Auntie Carol posting about the sex industry is the fastest growing industry in America and we need to stop it. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you never watched The Handmaid's Tale, right? Or read I've it? seen three episodes. Okay. Because my boyfriend was uh, fascinated by it and he wanted me to watch it with him. So I did. And then I was like, this is fucking depressing. No, thank you. It was also because <laughs> I was just really sad at the time when he wanted to show me it. It was like almost a mm-hmm. year ago. And I was just yeah, like, oh, I don't know about that. No, I haven't <laughs> cracked an eyelid at that show. I read the book when I was 13 or so. That was enough for me. Um, Margaret Atwood is the raddest. So I don't know how much the show deviates or if this is a spoiler alert. If it is, I don't care because the book's been out for like 30 or 40 years. So <laughs> maybe 30 years. It's the I think same she... from, from what I've heard. Okay. So her best friend that she's not seen for a while, her lesbian best friend, Mora, I think is her name. She She's somewhere working and she meets up with her friend or not meets up but she bumps into her friend who she hasn't seen since the government was overthrown and everyone was put into or all the women were put into slavery basically and her friend is a sex worker her her lesbian friend is like oh i'm at this party with these rich men because prostitutes like we always exist and especially the rich men like and she says once your snatch wears out like you they throw you down off the road to the next thing but right now this is how i'm getting by um that was my first tip off when I was a teenager, a young teenager, like, oh, holy shit, that's a thing. Women working in the, in the sex industry is survival. Gay women? Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's this piece that just came out in the Daily Mail, the UK website, um, which is horophobic trash always. But Handmaid oh, always. Tale author, yeah, Handmaid Tales. Handmaid's Tale author Margaret Atwood defends women's right to work in strip clubs because she thinks it's, quote, empowering. <laughs> I love they this. Use She's the quotes <laughs> around words to really get reactions out of people. It's interesting. You can yeah, tell it this worked. is written to, like, both appeal to people who agree, but also strongly to appeal to the majority who disagree. Absolutely. Thank you for noticing, because I was like, I'm mad about this. And then I'm like, wait, wait, they're gaslighting me. <laughs> 
they're trying to upset me. Um, so the little bullet points. Acclaimed author said working in a strip club can be empowering for women. She said they can feel in control of the room and earn more than in a coffee shop. Um, Handmaid's Tale author said critics should put their energy into climate change. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> She's the shit. Um, Margaret Atwood wrote a poem called Helen of Troy Does Countertop Dancing. She wrote it years ago. It's fucking brilliant. It makes me cry every time I read it. So go look it up. But it made me really happy to know that I'm like, all right, cool. This is a bad bitch also. I do want to read the book, but from now on, I actually refuse to watch the TV show um, after I found out that the main character in the TV show is a celebrity Scientologist. So... Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, she's a Scientologist. That's unfortunate. Yes. With uh, oh, the very, irony. Very milky views on um on abortion. So no. like she she'll answer with like these weird foggy answers and like she's like I think everyone should kind of decide for themselves and I'm like mm. it sounds mm. like a media line given to you by Scientology PR, but you know. Well, I definitely agree people should decide for themselves if they want to have abortions, but that's their own abortions. Don't yeah, get to decide but for she's other talking people. more about people should decide for themselves if they think abortion is right. Gnarly. Um, and I'm like, oof. Gnarly. <laughs> I, I just mm. feel like it's really kind of ironic that uh, she's starring Gnarly. in a show that's supposed to be really, I mean... <laughs> the hypothesis right. of like what like women's liberation as shown by women's imprisonment um right and instead anti-fascism like, but yeah. pro-cult yeah yeah <laughs> and instead uh, she's just fucking yeah it's frustrating uh-huh. to me uh-huh. because i wonder how many people watch that and are like oh my god she's so cool and i'm like mm. Mm. you know what if if it makes you feel better there's probably not a huge crossover of like very young impressionable teens that will investigate her that much to be um, charmed into scientology because their favorite actress is (laughs) yeah Um, yeah that's the thing it's just i hope that no one's influenced by these people because this is exactly how it works right is like get into the trending and the hot and the new and uh, i ain't gonna lie Exactly. No, I liked her in Mad Men. You know, I like that show. I've mentioned it before. And I followed her for a couple months. And I ain't gonna lie. When I found out she was a Scientologist, I unfollowed her that day. I was like, oh, man, I don't want this shit near me. (laughs) Yeah, no. And it sucks, too, because it's like, you know, that if it was legit, like she would talk about it. Like, you know, Christianity has a billion flaws, but it is very much above board in terms of like you don't have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to move up levels and discover secrets. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Um But I want to go to Xenon. <laughs> right. Yeah. God, mm. I remember when I used to drive past the the Scientology building with you in Portland. Um mm-hmm. and we would just look at it and be like, Oh god, that's fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. I flip it off every time I walk past. Yeah. I'm serious. Uh-huh. <laughs> sometimes on a wednesday if i'm downtown sometimes it's on a wednesday and i'm like oh it's that time again they just don't even most of the time they don't even look up i think they get it quite a bit uh (laughs) maybe in a future episode we can go over why scientology sucks if nobody knows but just google why does or web search why does scientology suck yeah Um, or leah romani scientology there's some some great stuff Mm -hmm. netflix had a good special on it but i can't recall uh before we go 
So I'm glad that you got to talk about the Hustlers movie a little bit earlier. I just want to bring up real quick that I hope to fucking Christ. I do not see any bitches dressed up like strippers for Halloween. I swear to fuck. Like if I see you in a little sparkly dress and some pleasers and a little clutch bag and you tell me you're a sugar baby or a stripper, but like actually that's your costume. I'm going to be like, God, I hope you're cold. I hope you're cold and I hope it rains. (laughs) (laughs) uh and then also pay all my stage fees um no but like seriously i'm i'm like happy if women are feeling empowered by the togetherness that is indicated in the film but like please don't dress up like a sex worker for halloween it's insensitive no um or maybe at the very least it'll give you some empathy for how dang uncomfortable it is to be in lingerie and pointy ass shoes for hours at a time no yeah anyway (laughs) for the authentic experience they just have to drop down onto their knees about 50 times that night yeah 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 Yeah, definitely i would like i would like a lot of dudes to waste your time and then ask you to go find the other girl the younger one yeah oh my god you know what we should do we should make a meme of like how to dress up as a stripper for halloween but then put all the reasons like like all the like real shit rather than just like you know bunny ears yeah bunny tail well Walk yeah. like your lower back is compressed because it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So everybody, thank you so much for listening. Check out our <laughs> bonus stuff. Uh, thank you. Yeah. yeah thank us on you. Patreon. Patreon.com slash strange bedfellows. Mm-hmm. Go buy my erotic visual media. All right. Love you. Yes. Until next time. <laughs> thank you for listening to Strange Bedfellows Podcast. To find behind-the-scenes, photos, bonus clips, and journals from your guests and hosts, type www.patreon, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash strange bedfellows and join for only $1. Find us online at strangebedfellowspdx.com and Instagram at strangebedfellowspdx. You can find me, L. Stanger, on stripperwriter.com and Instagram as L. Stanger. Write your hate mail or sex and relationship questions to pillow talk at strangebedfellowspdx.com and find me, John, on Instagram at metric.cafe. Please rate and review our show on your favorite listening app. Thanks for supporting sex education and freedom of expression.